Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. All right, all right. Today is week five of the Fan the Flame series. Week six, if you include the God encounter we had several weeks ago. Um, we talked about fire from all uh, kinds of different perspectives. And I'd say the overarching theme of the series has been this, that fire is a consuming agent. And we often correlate fire with emotion or passion. And while those can be byproducts of fire, those emotions are not fire in and of themselves. Spiritual fire is designed to consume. Its purpose is to purify. Over and over in Scripture, we see that God or His presence is referred to as a consuming fire. I'll read a few of those for you. Exodus chapter 24, verse 17. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 2. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Maybe a little less fire, God. <laughs> Deuteronomy 4, 24. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 3. But, he is, but be assured today that the Lord your God is the one who goes across ahead of you like a devouring fire. Second Chronicles 7, when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 10, flipping over to the New Testament. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, then no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging, of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Fire is not something to be played with. The fire of God is a consuming agent. And when we ask for fire, what we're really saying is, God, let your holy fire consume everything in me that's not of you. We've already prayed that prayer together today multiple times. Now, through this series, we looked at the showdown on top of Mount Carmel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And if you're not familiar with the story, or maybe some of you are, you'll remember that there had been a drought for over three years. And Elijah was a prophet of God. He was tired of the duplicity of the people. And so he challenged the prophets of Baal to a showdown. They would take turns asking their God to send fire. And the God who answered by fire, they said, was the true God. And the prophets of Baal, they cried out and yelled and they danced and they cut themselves and they acted like fools for hours and hours, but nothing happened. Now, after sitting through this fiasco all day, Elijah steps up and says, OK, that's enough. And he calls on the one true God. And God answered by fire, and the fire consumed the sacrifice and the altar and everything that was there, and the people repented. 
But what happened after the fire was of extreme significance. After three years of no dew and no rain, God sent rain on the land after the people repented of their sin. And so we said that after the fire comes the rain. Fire precedes the rain and rain precedes the harvest. Which led us up to last week. Many of us simply aren't hungry or thirsty for the things of God because we're just too full of other things. So when the rains of refreshing begin to fall, we aren't filled, we're just getting wet. Just like we had today. The rain of His presence was in the room. Some of you were filled, some of you just sensed it and you just got wet. In other words, when we sense the presence of God in our services... Sometimes that's where we stop short. We become content with simply feeling his presence and we aren't really interested in being filled with his presence. And listen, I love to sense the tangible presence of God, but I'd much rather be filled with it. It's one thing to sense God in a room on Sunday, but it's another and much better thing to be filled with God on Monday. And so we ask the question, am I hungry or thirsty For the things of God. And if not, what am I full of? We're going to revisit this conversation about the presence of God soon. But for now, I want to go back to where we ended last week and also where we started this series. 2 Timothy 1.6, Paul says to Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now the Apostle Paul, who is writing this letter, is arguably the greatest missionary who ever lived. This verse is part of a letter that he wrote to his apprentice, Timothy. Timothy worked side by side with Paul. And when Paul talks about laying hands on Timothy, he's likely referring to a commissioning moment, a moment where he would have prayed over him, laid his hands on him and commissioned Timothy to go out and be a minister for the Lord. Timothy ultimately would become the pastor of a group of believers in a city called Ephesus. So Paul says to Timothy, I remind who? To fan into the fan the flame? You. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. And as we've discussed thoroughly, the fire of God is a consuming agent, but a byproduct of living a life that's been consumed by God, that's been consumed by his fire, is passion and zeal. Devotion and excitement, compassion and love for others. And so when we find ourselves lacking in passion and devotion to our relationship with God, it's an indicator that the fire of God is no longer consuming our selfishness and our pride and our ego. And when we find ourselves lacking in concern and compassion for the poor and the broken, it's an indicator that our fire is no longer burning bright and that self-centeredness is creeping back in. And so the question is really bigger than how do I fan the flame? The real question is, how do I keep the flame? So for the rest of this conversation, I want to go back to the basics. If you've been in church for a long time, I hope that you're encouraged through this conversation to go back to some things that you already know to do. If you're new to church or you're a new Christ follower, I hope that you'll walk away with some tools to fan and keep the flame And I hope that collectively we all grow in our relationship with Jesus. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to step on some toes this morning. I'm going to talk about some things that most of us, again, already know. But as we said so many times, we don't need more information. We need to do something with the information that we already have. We're in a season where you just Google whatever it is you don't know. My mom's all the time asking me about manuals and things like you don't need the manual. I have a phone. (laughs) 
sometimes we need to go back to those basics. I volunteer my toes as the first to be stepped on. And for those that don't know me, I don't have it all together. For those that do know me, you're like, yeah, we know. (laughs) Coming out of 2020 and COVID-19, my mind and emotions were completely fried, as were some of yours. Some of you are still fried. I had something that I didn't even know existed. I had decision fatigue. In essence, decision fatigue is mental exhaustion resulting from the sheer number of decisions a person must make daily, leading to difficulty making decisions and difficulty making good decisions at best. Our church was growing. We were about to break the 100 barrier, and then it all came to a crashing halt. Katie and I were on vacation in the summer of 2020 when we got the news that our good friend and dear brother, Joel Castro, had passed away from COVID. And it was the first loss of life that we'd experienced as lead pastors, and so we immediately came home. And it was a difficult season that we were all trying to figure out. Now, despite the fact that Louis Aron always says that pastors only have to work two hours per week on Sunday... I was actually working seven days a week with no margin in my life. And I thought I was doing the Lord's work. And the fatigue continued into 2021. Our theme that year was forward. I felt confident that God was calling us forward out of the chaos. But the more we pushed forward, the more tired I became. Decision after decision, to meet or not to meet, masks or no masks, Republican or Democrat, vax or no vax, black or white. Are you spirit filled or not? You're too Pentecostal for some and not Pentecostal enough for others. Some of you still have such strong opinions over those things. You probably have a little anxiety in the room wondering where we're headed with this conversation. The lines have been drawn in the sand. There's no middle ground. And culture tells us you're either one or the other. And once you choose a side, then the other side is your enemy. They are not your brother and sister in Christ because it would be impossible to love God and be a member of a political party that's different than yours. Like many of you, I just became tired. I was tired of the constant and consistent conflict and rhetoric. He's lying. No, she's lying. CNN is lying. No, Fox News is lying. Trump is lying. No, Biden is lying. Fauci is lying. The Democrats are lying. No, the Republicans are lying. Look, everybody's lying. I'm going to leave the church if you don't shut down. I'm going to leave the church if you do shut down. I'm not going to serve if I have to wear a mask. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to serve if everybody doesn't wear a mask. The seats are too close. Somebody's breathing on me. The seats are too far apart. Forget the hand sanitizer. I need brain sanitizer. It was exhausting for everyone. But if you were leading in any capacity you were the, and, and you were the primary decision maker, it was a difficult season. Now, we've talked about this before, but crisis is an accelerator. COVID accelerated trends that had already begun. Political and racial tension wasn't new, but COVID accelerated it. Decline in church attendance wasn't new, but COVID accelerated it. Churches permanently closing their doors all over America wasn't new, but COVID accelerated it. Almost every trend, whether up or down, was accelerated because because of COVID. The acceleration was true on a national level, on a corporate level, on an individual level, on a personal level. Now, what does this walk down memory lane have to do with anything? Because I was working nearly seven days a week, I was headed for a crash and I didn't even know. 
But COVID accelerated all of that. Sometime in 2020, early 21, I had this obvious epiphany, which I've shared with you before. And I, I know this is a long drug out kind of story of, of my life and some things that I've gone through. But I had this epiphany that was obvious probably to everyone. But for the first time in my life, I didn't have a pastor of my own. And so I began to seek counsel outside of our church from godly leaders. In the middle of 2021, I felt like God spoke to me that the theme, we usually do a theme for the year. I felt like our theme for 22 would be renew. And I don't know how helpful that content was to you, but it was very helpful to me. I began to research and study and learn. And for nearly eight months, I began to renew my own mind before presenting that material to you in February of 2022. And again, maybe you're asking, what does this have to do with anything? I had gotten so busy and consumed with the work of God that I drifted away from the basics. I didn't realize it at the time, but my devotional life had become about feeding the church and not about feeding my soul. My prayer and worship time wasn't intentional. I was just hanging on. And the worst part was I didn't even realize it at first. So I began to learn about being before doing. You've heard us talk about that many, many times, and I'm confident it will be a recurring theme as we move forward. It was in that season that I found a book called The Emotionally Healthy Leader outside of the Bible, the most impactful book I've ever read in my entire life. I'm convinced that God himself led me to that material. And I opened it and I began to read and I was shocked at what I found out about myself. When the author Pete Scazzaro described what he calls an unhealthy leader, he was describing me. He says this, quote, The emotionally unhealthy leader is someone who operates in a continuous state of emotional and spiritual deficit, lacking the emotional maturity and being with God sufficient to sustain their doing for God. It was in that season that I learned about Sabbath and rest. And I know we did a series on that last year, and we will revisit that topic in the future. I used to finish typing my notes for Sunday morning on Saturday. Sometimes at 11 p.m., 12 a.m., at times even later. I couldn't enjoy my family. There was always a deadline or something else that had to be done. And so before I introduced Sabbath to the family, I tried it myself for a few weeks. My first task was proving that I could take back my Saturday. I remember that first week. I had everything completely finished by 12 p.m. on that Saturday afternoon. And for the first time... In four years, I went inside and I watched the Kentucky football game with my family without anything hanging over my head. And I was so moved emotionally that I cried that the possibility was there that I was about to take my life back. The next week, I was done on Friday. And I began to implement some principles that we've talked about, and I won't get into all the details of that, that I was learning. And then I introduced them to Katie. As we discussed what taking a 24-hour period of rest or a 24-hour Sabbath would look like practically, it felt impossible. Eventually, we did it, and we haven't looked back. Every Friday at 6 p.m., we stop working, and we don't start again until at least 6 p.m. on Saturday. We're not perfect at it. We're still working on it. We're still trying to figure it out. There are lots of times that we mess it up. But that one discipline has been revolutionary for our family. Now, I'm not here to talk about Sabbath and rest necessarily. That's just an example. I'm here to say that we cannot maintain our spiritual fire if we will not maintain our spiritual disciplines. 
That was good. I'm going to say it again. (laughs) I'm here to say that we cannot maintain our spiritual fire if we will not maintain our spiritual disciplines. And many of us are like, I can't. I don't have time. It's not a can. It's a will. I want the fire. Well, then you have to have the will to be disciplined because you can't have one without the other. For me and my family, Sabbath was a spiritual discipline that one, we, weren't, we were ignorant about, and two, we were neglecting. Now, this takes me back to a previous point from earlier in the series. If we're going to have the fire of God present in our lives, we have to be honest with ourselves. Remember the verse we read from Psalms. So he said, keep me from lying to myself. It's not enough to come in here and pray and ask God to fill you. We've spent weeks talking about that. It's not enough to desire God's presence. It's not even enough to experience his presence. Just like putting gas in your car. It doesn't matter how much you drive, whether you're filling up once a week, twice a week, or once a month, you eventually will need to refuel. And if you don't, then you're going to be just like that sour rag example from a few weeks ago. Your gas will go bad and your engine won't even start. And my fear is that in charismatic and Pentecostal circles, we've elevated spiritual gifts above spiritual disciplines. We come to church and we sense or feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and we're motivated to seek more of Him. We're motivated to read the Bible or pray or worship. But when we leave, the motivation wanes. Listen to me. Discipline trumps motivation 100 times out of 100 times. It's discipline and consistency in the little things that make the difference. And most of you know that Adrian, my oldest son and I, are movie buffs. We have the Regal Pass, and it's not uncommon for us to hit a 10 or 11 p.m. movie together. And uh, it wasn't too long ago that we went to watch Creed 3. If you're not familiar with that series, it's basically a continuation of the Rocky series. And if you're not familiar with Rocky, then... We can't be friends. <laughs> Should have queued up that music. As we're sitting there watching this movie, see, Adrian and I have a routine. When we go to the movie with other people, they mess up the routine. And when we go to other movie theaters, people are like, why don't you go to Epic? Because Epic's not our theater. We go to Regal. I know the seats aren't as comfortable. Sometimes my butt goes numb in about an hour and a half. And people are like, you could be at Regal, laid back with a blanket. I mean, at uh, Epic. Yeah, see, whatever, you guys. Anyway, Regal is the move. We have a system. We have a flow. We get a large popcorn. It's refillable. This is, how, you know, just a life hack. If you go with your family, don't get everybody popcorn. It's going to cost you $8 million. Get one large popcorn and ask for courtesy trays. And they'll give you trays, and then you just fill up the whole row and then go back and get another tub. We do it all the time. It's perfectly legal. (laughs) Large, large drinks, same thing. Refillable, ask for a courtesy cup. They'll give you a bunch. I mean, you got to go a lot of times if you got a lot of people. The cup's only this big, but it'll save you some money. All right. So here we are. We're watching Creed 3. And as we're sitting there, we're eating M&Ms, which is our custom, and a large refillable tub of popcorn loaded with butter. And we're washing it all down with a supersized Mountain Dew, again, also refillable. And I'm stuffing my face, and I'm watching this dude train for his championship fight, and I'm thinking to myself, tomorrow, I'm going to work out. (laughs) Actually, I'm feeling so motivated that I might work out as soon as the movie is over. And then tomorrow comes, 
and the motivation has worn off, and all I'm left with is my lack of physical discipline. And the same thing happens in our spiritual lives. Right? We watch our favorite preachers on YouTube. We listen to worship music. We come to church. We come to the altar. We cry. We pray. We ask God to do the same thing over and over and over again. We want him to pour out the rain. And he's saying, I want you to be more disciplined. I wonder how many of the issues that we repeatedly have could be resolved if we had better spiritual discipline. For our family, Sabbath was a game changer. Sabbath was the gateway discipline to reset our lives. I'm currently working on some new spiritual disciplines that have never been a part of my routine. It's been hard. Sometimes I don't like it. Sometimes I feel like nothing is changing as a result. But I know that if I'm going to go to the level that God is calling me to, then my disciplines have to change. And the same is true for you. If you're going to become everything God has called you to be, then you're going to have to become disciplined. One of the problems we have in our walk with Christ is we don't have any quality time with Him. We might go to church sometimes. We might have regular devotional time. We might read our Bibles or do some kind of Bible study on the YouVersion app or whatever it is that your flow is. We might have our prayer to-do list. I did a lot of air quotes today, didn't I? We might have our prayer to-do list that we knock out every day. But let me ask you, when was the last time that you slowed down enough to have quality time with Jesus? And if you're, new to, if you're new to Christianity, maybe that sounds weird. You know, Katie and I were talking the other day. We've been spending a lot of time together, but it's been a lot of work time. And there hasn't been a lot of quality time. And after a while, you need something different than just riding in the same car to drop your kids off at school. Of course, we're committed to making sure that quality time happens. But it doesn't happen accidentally. It happens intentionally. And the same thing is true with our time with Jesus. We can go through the motions. We can do all of the right things. We can read our Bibles and pray and spend time in worship, but still not connect with Jesus in a deep informational way. And you say, no, you can't. Yes, you can. Because how many of, how many of us have read the Bible through to through? I don't know how many times in our lives and we still have the same issues and we still have the same problems because there's places in our lives that we haven't let God into. We have to be intentional and we have to slow down. And listen, I get it. My pace right now is fast. There's a lot going on. I'm balancing the responsibilities of two buildings as we do in this renovation. We're planning renovations. We're meeting with contractors. We're ordering samples. And then on top of that, I don't know exactly why, but I've had more meetings in this season than any other time in my entire life. And it feels like I'm running from this place to that place and back again. We just started T-ball this week with 11 four to six-year-olds. <laughs> Sunday is church. Monday is small groups. Tuesday is band practice. Wednesday is baseball. Thursday, I'm trying to protect. Friday is baseball. And without an intentional Sabbath from Friday to Saturday, there would be no time in my life. But because we have a discipline in place, I have something to look forward to Every week. Now, the other thing I'm doing in this season is getting up before everyone else. And I try to get into my garage office. We call it the Garfus by 6.15 a.m. Since the hurricane was coming, there's a generator in there and it smells like gas. And I got to get it out because I go in to spend time with the Lord. It's like, 
what do I do with that time? I spend it with God. And this is something that's new to me because I've never been an early riser. I've never been that guy. My devotions were always later in the morning, later in the day. And there are sometimes in that early morning when nobody else is up and nothing else is happening that I don't even know what to do with myself. The pace is naturally slow first thing in the morning. The phone isn't buzzing. There's nowhere to go. I have nowhere to be. It's just me and God. Sometimes I pray. And I found out in this season that I don't even know how to pray sometimes. Sometimes I don't even know what to say. Sometimes I just sit there. Sometimes I put my AirPods in and I turn noise cancellation on so that there's no outside noise. It's just me, my thoughts, and God. Sometimes I put on music. I almost always spend time in the Word. What has that done for me? For several weeks, it felt like nothing. But now, instead of operating out of a deficit like I described earlier, I'm operating out of excess. Am I tired? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes I catch a 10-minute power nap in the car line waiting to pick up Bennett from school. I like to go early. Katie likes to go right on time. Now you know why. I just take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) The point that I'm trying to make is because of the disciplines that I've built and we are building into our lives, I'm not coming off the rails even though this is arguably the busiest season of my life. And what I'm saying to you is that you also need spiritual disciplines. And I, some of you have spiritual disciplines, but it's, you're, not, you're not growing anymore. And some of our athletes and people that work out and things like that, you'll, you'll know that there are times you have to change your routine. Like you're going to hit a spot and you're going you're gonna to plateau. And if you don't change the routine to kind of shake, to, to kind of shock your body again, then, then you keep getting those same results. And so there are people in the room that you've been doing, you've got spiritual disciplines, you're doing it, you're doing it. And, and maybe, they're, they're, maybe they're people like me that have even through the years gotten frustrated. And you're like, I'm doing all the things they say to do. I'm reading, I'm praying, I'm blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no change. Maybe you need to change it up just a little bit. Do something different. Maybe Sabbath feels like, I'm not doing that, that's stupid. Maybe you should try it. You're like, I'm not getting up early. I'm not getting up at 6 a.m. Okay, fine, don't, but maybe you should try it. (laughs) We have to have spiritual disciplines. Paul told us to renew our minds. Romans 12, chapter 2. I mean, I'm sorry, Romans 12, chapter 12, verse 2. Dude says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We spent extensive time breaking down this verse last year. But his instruction to us is not to conform. We don't have to do everything that everyone else does. And it may seem weird to get up early and sit in a quiet room and listen for the voice of God. But renewing our mind doesn't happen accidentally. It will only happen with intentionality. The psalmist wrote in 40, Psalms chapter 46, verse 10. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. 
Be still. Stop moving long enough to hear his voice. Anybody with small children, you're trying to tell them something and they're just bouncing off the walls? Like, you know they're not listening. You're like, what did I just say? And they're like, I mean, doesn't that describe our own lives? Let's spend some time with God. And God's like, okay, I want to tell you something. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. When we have a discipline of reading God's word, as the psalmist is describing in Psalm 119, it becomes sweeter than honey. We gain understanding and God's word becomes a light to our path. How many of us are, I mean, going back to decision fatigue and all of the things, how many of us even today, there's so many things going on, you're not even sure what you're supposed to do. God's word will become a light to your path so you can see which way that you're supposed to go. What did Paul say? Renew your mind. I didn't read the rest of the verse so that you can know his good and perfect and pleasing will. Amen. Look, I know this hasn't been very deep. Like I said in the beginning, we don't always need more information. We need to do something with the information that we already have. Amen. If you've been a Christ follower for a while, you already know or you should know how important spiritual disciplines are. If you're new to the faith, listen to me, you will not make it without spiritual discipline. Amen. Now, let me encourage you with this. Start small. I have a mentor who's speaking into my life right now, and he's spending three or four hours a day in prayer. Now he has his whole staff spending three or four hours a day in prayer. That seems impossible to me. But I can say this, every time I talk to him in a one-on-one -on -one setting, I have this overwhelming sense that I want to be more like Jesus. Maybe an hour seems un unreachable for you. I'm saying, start where you are. Maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's ten minutes. Maybe you're at a place where you can go longer. Look, listen, the goal isn't quantity. It's quality. I'd rather spend 10 minutes of quality time with Jesus knowing that we've had interaction than have a distracted hour of just like, oh, I've got to read 10 chapters. And you have no idea what you read. You have no idea how it applies to your life. Amen. You get up and your life is completely unchanged. Quality over quantity. But I'll say this too. When the quality gets better, the quantity, quantity will get longer. You ever been to a movie you couldn't stand, you got up and walked out early because you're like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. If the quality of the movie was better, you'd have stayed. When was the last time you slowed down enough to have real quality time with Jesus? <laughs> Adrian's got PTSD. A few weeks ago, I I'm, I'm gestured and he thought I was telling him to come to the piano. He came up early and I didn't want to be like, yo, it's not time. But... Uh, <laughs> And then he was like, man, I felt like I was standing a long time. I was like, yeah, you came up like halfway through. 
She guys got serenaded for like 30 extra minutes. It's like, bro, wrap it up already. <laughs> so this, I was pretty, you know, definite with it. And he was like, okay, he's like, he pointed me. <laughs> when was the last time you slowed down enough to have real quality time with Jesus? Look, there have been times I've been doing my devotions but I have something else to do on my mind. And so I'm just rushing through so I can check it off my list. Have you ever done that? I gotta spend some time with God. You're not really spending time with God. Like, you know you're not, he knows you're not. Listen, God is inviting us to slow down. And I think that might be a, a message for the future that we'll revisit as well. He's inviting us to connect to the vine. If you've been here a few weeks, we talked about that off and on. Jesus said, I'm the vine. Connect to me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He's inviting us to connect to him. And we're going to revisit this topic in the future with more specific details on spiritual disciplines. Like I'm kind of giving you this broad overview and I'm not maybe giving you enough handles to hang on to when you leave. For me, instituting a regular weekly Sabbath was the start of a more fulfilled life in Jesus. Something I'd never done my entire life. Certainly wasn't doing it as lead pastors, which was new to us in the beginning. Still new to us now. Sometimes we still have no idea what we're doing. But I'm telling you that that discipline for us was a game changer. All my life, I grew up with all of the things. You do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, and you're fine. You're growing your faith. It just doesn't work that way. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. They're amazing. We should spend time in the Word. We should spend time in private worship, us and God. Right? We should do the things. We should spend time in prayer. All the things that you've heard if you've been around church for a long time. But I'm saying that those things weren't deeply changing me for some reason. And so the, the entryway a few years ago for my life to begin a new path was Sabbath. Again, I'm not, we'll preach about Sabbath later. I'm not here to, to talk about that as much. I'm just saying that there might be a discipline that you're missing that could be that door. You know what I mean? Like that could be the key to open the door. You're doing all the other things. Don't stop doing that. But is there something else that you're missing that, that could be a key to unlock this beautiful relationship with the Lord that we've been missing out on? So I'll close with a list of a few disciplines that you can contemplate starting. I can send these to you. I don't think I'll put them on the screen, but you can write them down or I can give them to you after church. One is Sabbath. We talked about that a lot today. Prayer. Maybe you don't spend time in prayer. What is prayer? You know, I was talking to my boys this week, and I, we, were, we were praying about something. I said, do you want to pray? And they're like, no. And I said, Bennett, do you know how to pray? He's like, no, I don't know how to pray. And I was like, do you know how to talk? And he was like, yeah. I was like, well, you know how to pray. But essentially, that's what it is. It's just simply talking to God and then slowing down long enough to maybe listen to him talk to you back. What about Solitude. Something we don't talk a lot about in our modern culture. And something that's hard to find. That's why that 6 a.m. time has, has been good for me, because it's a moment of solitude. Solitude is finding time alone with no distractions. 
Scripture. Again, I don't want to diminish other spiritual disciplines and elevate one. Maybe you're not spending enough time in Scripture, reading and meditating on God's Word. Maybe you're digesting too much. Maybe it's like every time you go to the Bible, it's like Golden Corral, and you're like, and you're just so stuffed, and it's like, you're not, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, you're just miserable. Maybe you need to do bite-sized pieces and then meditate on what you're reading. What about fasting? Not something that we talk about a lot either. What is fasting? It's sacrificing something from your life to focus more on your relationship with God. Food, maybe. Social media, Netflix, sugar, etc. You're finding something to say, you know what, I'm going to give this up and I'm going to replace it with more time with God. What about service? Finding somebody else to serve. You know, it's a spiritual discipline, serving people. Generosity, giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your resources. This is certainly not an all-inclusive, exhaustive list of every spiritual discipline, but we have to start somewhere. It's up to you to fan your own flame. We cannot maintain our spiritual fire if we will not maintain our spiritual disciplines. And I don't know, I don't know what your next step should be. I, I don't. But I'm telling you that I, I feel that a lot of the things that we're dealing with over and over again are just simply a lack of discipline in our lives. On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.